All right, guys, I'm here today with Daniela Hoffer Interiors. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. So we, okay, you helped clarify this for me, but <laughs> we talked over Instagram and you launched your business last February. Yes. Yeah. I think end of January, I actually just formed the LLC and started the business in February. Good. Yes. And you're in New York. I'm in New Jersey, but also Jersey. in New York. Okay. So it's crazy because I was like checking out your website, obviously, as I do. And I feel like you have a fairly robust portfolio for only doing this for a year. Thank you. Um, It's impressive. I I don't know how, but this year was just really busy. um, And I'm very appreciative of all the people who took me on as I just launched and started. So, yeah, and I definitely um, invested in taking pictures. Yes. Really early on was that was going to be one of the most important parts. So mm-hmm. spending time finding the right photographers, styling, and just, you know, doing that correctly was really important and it's still important. Of course. Um, so, so yeah. Okay. Tell us what your backstory is. 14 years you were in corporate. Tell us how we get to here. Okay. So I spent 14 years doing digital advertising. And then I worked actually at um, like a consumer health company doing product innovation really wasn't loving what I was doing. Um, didn't really connect with it, but I always, now when I think back on it, I was always creative. And even like in high school, I was like, I'm going to do something that I love and even spent the day with an interior designer. What? Um, That's so cool. Like on purpose, you said, Hey, I'm going to go meet with a designer. Yes. And yeah, that was my personality. And I was like, I'm going to know what I'm going to do when I'm 18 years old. And Spent the day, but had a really bad experience. It was one of those like nightmare clients. Um, and I really didn't enjoy it. And like the, the one day with that, that uh-huh. interior designer like turned you off so intensely. Well, I was still a high schooler, right? So I made a decision after about an hour of what. As you do, right? <laughs> exactly. So decided it wasn't for me after an hour and being 18. <laughs> and moved on. Um, and then an opportunity came up. Basically, uh-huh. my company let 12,000 people go last year. And mm-hmm. I wasn't sure what I was going to do. Started the, you know, standard interviewing, getting myself, trying to get back into corporate. And I was not feeling it. Like I literally couldn't go to the interviews. Um, And my husband, who's awesome, was like, I really think you need to rethink what you do. Um, So I did informational interviews. And I talked to people in HR because I liked HR. I talked to people in fashion because I loved fashion. And I talked to interior designers. And I did about... 14 informational interviews very quickly. Yeah. Um, really understand. Love it. And then I literally put together pros and cons lists. Um, okay. I, let's talk. What was on the pros and cons list of uh, interior design? So I remember something that, well, when I knew I wanted to work for myself, that's what I realized very quickly. I needed to be creative and passionate about what I did. And I needed flexibility because I have four kids. So it really needed to work for my lifestyle. <laughs> um, I'm so curious to hear your thoughts on what that looks like <laughs> on design company now. <laughs> it's chaos all the time. Yeah, I can't um, even. <laughs> so while interior design, obviously, I probably work more hours now than I ever have. It's on my schedule. And I love what I do. Yeah. So I think um, that'd probably be true of any work for yourself role anyway. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's just the nature of like working for yourself. You just go all in. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, we built our own house about five and a half years ago. So I knew back then I sort of loved doing this anyway. And people would comment on my house. Um, I think that's also why I was able to get clients fairly quickly because my house was probably a great way for them to see my work. So. Yes. Okay. Okay. Because that was going to be my next question. Like, obviously you, it was your own home that you loved and just did such a great job that really planted the seed. Like had the seed been planted before you built your house, like more so where like when you had previous homes where you were just like, I'm really good at this. I'm really rocking it or. No, no, not at all. But I mean, the seed was planted when you were 18, but unfortunately somebody dug it up and threw it away. But, but then you came back. Okay. And was that the first place that you, like, you got a photographer into your home and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that was the first place. Also, I think, you know, you're, I think you're also going through some work in your house now, right? You're doing, yeah. you doing or you did work and reality is in your own home, you can take the most risk. So yeah. 
I did that, you know, and even now I'm well, still. If you have a partner who's on board with you, I did not do that because he's not <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, my husband was. I mean, I don't think if I asked his permit. I don't know if I even asked him. I just kind of showed up with stuff. That's what I should do. Um, yeah, so that was really helpful, and I'm still doing stuff now every day. There was contractors in my house today. Um, right. I love little projects, so it's been great. Loving it, loving it. So I'm curious. Okay, when were you at the same position, like same job, same corporate company for 14 years? No. So I worked in the city at a couple of the big advertising firms um, for like 10 years. Um, and then I joined the, I went in-house basically about five years or six years Okay. Ago. Got it. Um, that day, So did you, you said you had like an opportunity, like, did you choose to be part of the people laid off as what, or like let go? Is that what you were saying? No, it's funny because I, I didn't, but I, it's funny. I still see it as an opportunity because it was oh one God. of the best things that ever happened to me. But I don't know if you know this, but the same thing happened to me. Well, not to the same extreme, but, but I, I lost my job in 2000, November 2015. And I was like, <laughs> I can't interview ever again. I was at the same company for 12 years. Well, that's uh-huh. not totally true. Mostly for 12 years. And then I went and worked for the same CEO of another company, mm-hmm. also in marketing. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and I, and I was just like, no, there's no way I can, I just, it was, I could not go for an interview. I hadn't interviewed in like, I had one interview in 12 years. Like I was just right. like, no, this is a hard no. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm going to do something else. <laughs> and then, uh, and then I basically, it was the same thing. And it is, I feel, I feel like it's, it's funny. Cause it's like, in, in theory, it should be like a terrible thing that happens, but it helps you make that decision. Like it almost makes a decision for you. So I don't envy people who have to make the decision on their own to leave and go on their own like this. Cause it's, I don't think I ever could have done that on my own. Yeah, no, it's true. You know, I loved the people I worked with and I love the challenge of the job, but I was just not happy there. And I don't think I would have made the switch if I wasn't. I just, yeah. I, I just would have been way too scared. I just didn't think it was possible. You know, mm-hmm. it was a huge leap. I mean, I didn't know if we yeah. could do it financially and all of that. And thankfully, you know, it just worked. Um, so I'm very happy. Okay. So you, when, when exactly is it that you lose your job? Uh, I lost my job, I think a week and a half before Thanksgiving. Of? 2000 and, what was it? 18. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Which in the States is what month? November. November. Oh my God. It's so funny. It was the same month as me, but that's so funny. Um, and, and you make the decision, like, what are the first steps that you take when you make this huge decision? You're like, I'm doing this. Well, first of all, what does your husband say to you? You're like, husband. He was really supportive. Um, and you know, I, he was like, why do you take November and December and just relax and, and just, you know, re-energize. And I'm not that type of person. I can't really sit still. Um, I could not do that. Literally the day after I found out, I was like on job boards within a week. Um, I knew going back to corporate was not going to work for me. I was setting out, you know, resumes and, and setting up interviews. I very quickly knew that was not the plan. Yeah. Um, and then I guess I would say I spent December doing informational interviews. Okay. Uh, and just, and you're just like cold, like reaching out to people or people, you know, so some people are people I knew some people I knew and some like, do you you know who Ashley Darrell is? She's um, an interior designer in in New York. And I think she was just listed in the, in architecture digest. I'm like not the best at keeping up to date on like, she she was listed like last year. And I know her cousin and her cousin was like, would you like, would you like to talk to her? And at the time I didn't know like how big she was. Yeah. And now I'm like, I can't believe I just called her. And she and, um, was like, yeah, I'll talk to you. Everyone was lovely that I spoke to, I have to say. And did you meet them in person or over the phone? So some were over the phone and others I took out for coffee. One, I was taking my family to Florida at the end of the month. And literally three hours before the flight, I showed up at her house. And I remember calling my friend and being like, I'm just showing up at a random stranger's house. If you don't hear from me in an hour, please call the police. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is, I'm going to drop a pin. Yes. <laughs> but that was Robin Naylor and she's in Summit. And she was also, wow. everyone was incredible. Um, shared information, gave me pros and cons of the field. Really honest. And um, inc- I, I still look back on my notes. I took notes on every oh single 
I'm very I curious. What were some of the nuggets people gave you as far as pros and cons? So pros and cons. Um, one really key insight that I got was, you know, everyone has this depiction of the career, you know, HGTV, and it's so much fun. It's all pretty. <laughs> and, it, you know, there are parts, obviously, that's very creative, and I love that. But I think someone said 20% of the job is creative and 80% of the job is psychology. Mm-hmm. And it's totally true. I spend so much time just having to build up my clients' confidence and helping make decisions. Um, and that was really important because I it was honest, you know, about how... Interesting. I've actually never heard it put that way. Normally, I hear like 20% creative, 20% business. But I like that that take as mm-hmm. well. That's very interesting. That's good. Yeah. I spend, you know, all, I've gotten calls um, from amazing clients, I have to say you know, very nervous in the middle of the night because they're not loving how something looks. And um, another piece of advice I got actually from some folks in Ivy was the whole idea of in the middle of a job, expect your clients to freak out. And the term they use, and I use now all the time, is you're, what you're seeing is half a haircut. Would you judge oh, a project so based on half a hair? You know, half. You know, would you judge someone doing your hair on half I of the do that Sometimes <laughs> I do. I'm like, oh my god, what is she doing? That's so, a great one. That is yeah. so good. I also, I tell clients at the beginning, like, just for the record, like, you're you're going. There's going to be. You're very excited right now, but there's going to be periods where you probably mm-hmm. hate you're going to hate your contractor. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's cool. Like that's just the process. <laughs> exactly. So those types of things, like knowing that clients are going to get really nervous and you're going to spend time just having to, you know, give them back the confidence and you have to be confident. I, I don't think I would have been aware how significant it is if I hadn't gotten that advice so early on. So mm-hmm. that was a big piece of it. Um, tools, being organized, you know, really setting yourself up and taking the time to do that was really important. Um, one designer right before I started also gave me an opportunity. To, I, I offered to work for everyone and anyone for free. Hell yeah. Um, but I also knew I had to make money. So I knew that was going to be for a short period of time. So something that someone suggested that I do for her was um, actually try to get her story into a magazine. Um, cause I didn't even know what that meant. So yeah. it's frankly, it didn't go well, she didn't get in, but I learned so much from the experience and actually started to form a relationship with that, you know, assistant editor. So that was pretty cool. And that was all in December. Wow. <laughs> very quick. So, yeah. so you launched your business in February and what does that look like? Like what is launching your business in February? Like you have a website, you get mm-hmm. your first client, like what are we mm-hmm. deeming like? How quickly is it that you get your first client? Who are your, like all the things? Sure. So the minute I knew I was going to do this, which is probably by New Year's, I just started telling all of my friends that I was going to be doing this. And they knew they'd been to my house before. So they knew, they knew I had lost my job and they knew what my house looked like. So right away, friends who I knew were going to be starting new construction, I let know that I was doing this. And um, I also started getting phone calls from other friends in my area Happened to, I guess, just been a weirdly busy time. The timing was just perfect. I feel um, like this is a busy time, I've noticed. I, I actually did a chart of like the last three years to see if there was like a seasonality mm-hmm. thing I could identify. I couldn't. But um, <laughs> I do feel like right now I'm feeling like inquiries are definitely coming in. It's like that's awesome. maybe that's a thing. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I think it is. I think it's also like the fresh, the new year, everyone, you know, is redoing their bodies, but redoing their homes. It's all the same. Yeah. Um, and very quickly, I had signed on probably two to three new construction. And you have to remember, I have no training. I was going to so. ask you this, like, how are you <laughs> feeling about this? Because I did not do, well, the fact that you did do your own home, like, I'm sure, mm-hmm. helped, like me doing my own homes renovation really Mm-hmm. Build that confidence in the like, yes, I can do that. Mm-hmm. But for me, I was like, no, I'm just decorating, not just. I don't mean just. I'm mm-hmm. only I'm decorating and styling, which I think is what I'm really good at anyway. But mm-hmm. yeah, how are you? Are you freaking out? Or are you just like, no, I got this? Are you just like ignorance was bliss at that point, or what? I think it was a little bit of ignorance is bliss. Like I don't think I realized. Yeah. Um, how complicated, how technical, how detailed it would all be. Um, it definitely helped that I had done my home. Also, my husband, while he's not a contractor, he works in real estate and just mm. knew a lot. So I was always able to bounce ideas off of him. 
Um, and I knew both. So the, the, the two to three projects I got right away, I knew both contractors personally. So I was honest with them. And I said, these are my strengths. This is what I know how to do, but there's areas I don't. And I really want to learn. And I would appreciate, you know, anything you can do to get me as involved as possible. Like I, I really could see in five years going after my GC license and doing, you know, design build. So I really wanted to learn all the details. Um, And the contractors were awesome. And I have to say, we're really supportive. Um, and I learned on the job and, um, yeah, every day, I think you can still say Michelle, right? Like you learn something new every single day. Um, oh my God. It's, it's yes. Whether it's how to deal with people, psychology, like you said, mm-hmm. you know, what projects, you know, yes, hundred percent, never not learning. And as far as I'm concerned, every designer I've ever spoken to, whether they've mm-hmm. been in the business 20 years or a year, it's the mm-hmm. same thing. Everybody says it's just cause mm-hmm. nothing is, it's not selling like a tangible product to a person and yeah, this is what it's going to be. It's just every, there's so many nuances to everything that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So exactly. The, the, sorry, did you say they were new builds, the first projects you got or, or renovations? Um, two were new builds and two were complete gut jobs. This podcast is supported by Ultralux Linens. That's right, guys. And if you have not reached out or gone to visit Ultralux and spoken to Jacqueline or possibly Emily, then I've got to ask you, what are you waiting for? Because I've told you already that they carry over 75 brands of fabrics, Kravit, JF, Allendale, Avant-Garde, all the good stuff. You're going to get the exact same designer trade discount that you would get if you went to them direct. But the benefit is that they're all under one roof. So when you actually go look at fabric, you have all of the different fabric lines in one place for you to check them out. And when you're ordering the fabrics, you just have to send one PO. It really doesn't get much better than that. They also have a ton of wallpaper books. And when I go in there, I basically just tell them the vibe I'm after. And often Emily just kind of goes to various places, pulls out some books for me, and we're off to the races. They have over 5,000, that's right, 5,000 square feet of showroom and it's filled with custom furniture line. They've got bedding, linens, towels, so much stuff. It's insane. It's amazing. And the best part is they just recently opened their workroom. I already got some drapes up in my home, which I absolutely adore. They do drapery, pillows, custom cushions, I'm telling you, whatever you need, they're going to do it. To learn more, go to ultraluxlinens.com or find them on Instagram, slide into their DMs. And of course, if you want to check them out in person, you're going to go to the Toronto International Design Center, second floor. Whatever you do, make sure you tell them that Michelle sent you. New builds. Are you working with like a contract? Uh, sorry, not a contractor. Uh, an architect? Like who's doing mm-hmm. the drawings for the these builds? Like I assume there's permits involved. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like, so who was taking care of that in the process? Since I assume like that's not something you would be able to do. Yeah. So that the contractor take care of. Um, the architects had done the plans, but then on two of the projects, they actually started with space planning and refined the plans that the architect architect had done. Um, I, w- I was familiar with reading architecture plans from my own um, job. And I find that while architectures can be super creative and they are so incredibly talented, they don't always think about the livability of the space. Yes. Um, and, and having, uh, honestly, having four kids and most of my friends having kids, I was able to kind of make some tweaks to just help their home life fit what I knew they would need based on, you know, the way they were living. So I agree wholeheartedly on that front. Mm-hmm. I actually really enjoy being able to feed into plans. Like mm-hmm. sometimes I prefer, like, I don't know if somebody were to say, here's a blank slate, go. I really like a plan has been put together and I am feeding into it and improving mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. I think anyways, I haven't really done the other option, so I don't mm-hmm. know. But um, what about like the renovation stuff? Is it the mm-hmm. same thing? Somebody else was putting a plan that you were feeding into or how were you approaching like how to, like if permits were needed for that, for example? Um, so in another one that I, wor- that I started right away, um, they show me in- initial architecture plans 
and we redid them. So generally permits, I really don't involve myself in. That's really the contractor. I find that, well, contractors have to handle them in New Jersey. You're not allowed to really be involved in that. You have to have a GC for that type of work. Um, I've also found while the contractors I work with are awesome, they will give you everything to do, like their entire job. Yeah. <laughs> Which you kind of have to be like, no, that's your job. This is my job. Otherwise, right. you sort of become their assistant, and that's not my role. So I've definitely had to kind of create some boundaries there. Um, so permits, architecture, they do their job, but I've helped guide it from a creative mm-hmm. point of view. And um, okay, so what? What is your confidence like? Like, are you just like, do you go in feeling like really good or, or are you terrified? Like, what were you feeling on those first few projects? And like, how do you feel now versus then? Um, so I think that's where corporate was really helpful because mm-hmm. coming from a corporate, ba- corporate background, I would have to go into meetings with, you know, directors and VPs and convince them to give me $5 million, $20 million for new products, even if I had no idea what I was talking about. Um, oh that was my job. <laughs> so helpful in life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, sometimes obviously I was really nervous. There's days, you know, I'm still very nervous. You don't always know how something's going to go, but you have to be confident. Like, I think that's where you, and I, I see with you, you're so authentic and it's so important to be authentic, but at the same time you're coming in as the expert. Yeah. So yeah. your, your client needs you to be confident and believe in what you're saying. Um, and that I learned really quickly where like a builder would be like, which one do you like? And I was like, well, which one do you like? And he looked at me, he's like, you need to make that decision. I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, <Just> so, <laughs> so you, you know, I'm, I'm definitely nervous. You know, some days yeah. you don't want to do something wrong. You don't want it to cost you or the client. Um, but I also have learned to go with my gut. When I've tried to just go with something because the, cl- the client wanted it and it was going against my gut, it never worked yeah. out. And if my gut is telling me to do something, that gives me the confidence to do it. Okay. How did you figure out things like pricing early on? And, and, and what was that? You mean my price? Like what I charge? Yeah. How did you yeah. figure that out? And wh- how did you start versus now? Like what's that look like? It's a good question. So... I, my informational interviews, I asked all the interior designers yeah. I, I spoke with how they charged and what their pricing structure was. Um, that really helped me get a sense of what people were charging in my area, especially. Um, and I heard everything. I heard hourly. I heard flat fee. Um, I heard a lot of designers who I knew, I know, were not actually marking up trade um, which I thought was interesting. So when I started, yeah, trade as in the contractor, or you, or what do we mean? By oh, trade like um, like furnishings. They, they weren't oh. they weren't charging up. They were passing along their discounts completely to clients, um, and they were making their money on the hourly. Um, and and so I just heard all the different ways of doing it. Listen to a ton of podcasts. Listening to you. Listening to Luann as well. Yeah. Um, and just hearing how everyone was doing it. So I started by charging a really small amount per hour. Yeah. Um, Tell us what it was. Mine was like, mine started at 50, just for the record. (laughs) Me too, me too. (laughs) And I just kept giving myself $5 bumps every couple months. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Um, I moved pretty quick. I tried to move quickly because I found that, um, you know, because it wasn't a lot, of money, I wasn't really always getting the projects I wanted. Um, and that's what people said, you know, if you don't charge a good amount, you're not going to get quality work. Yeah. And, and I did find that. Um, I'm happy though, that I started that low. Cause it also, let's be honest, it got me the projects at the beginning yes. and I wouldn't have had them, you know, and to be fair, being a new designer and with very limited experience, like no one should pay me $150 an hour, $200 an hour. That's crazy. Totally. And I think like, I think you were talking about like, you have to be confident. And I think Part of being able to get a client is being able to say your pricing with confidence. Mm-hmm. And there's no mm-hmm. way I would be like, so you're going to pay me $150 an hour for this. Um, and it's going to be 30 hours. So right. cool, right? No, I'd be like, oh, uh, and then I would never get a project that way. Like you got to start somewhere and build that up, right? Exactly. The other thing I did do was... When, you, um, when you're ignorant to it and you don't know what the hell's going on, I mean. Like, exactly. Maybe if you um, went to school, worked for a firm, like that's a totally different story because you get it. But, mm-hmm. Yeah. 
No, it's true. I also passed along my trade rates completely at the beginning. You did. I did too. <laughs> yeah, I was, you're giving it away. You know, you're giving it away. It's kind of crazy. Um, but at least with the hourly, I got paid for my time versus if yeah. I've been doing a flat fee, I would have probably completely underestimated that. That's what um, I actually did. Yeah. Oh, so that would be a tip I would give Based on my estimated hours, based on like no actual information of how long things take based on $50 an hour. So it was like, yeah, it was insane. If I look back on that time and, and yeah. go and look at those numbers, it's crazy. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. and um, I also was looking at, I was trying to use some e-design at the beginning as well. And I charged really low because you see Decorist and Havenly. And why would someone hire me, you know, at a normal rate if they can get a whole room for $150? So I charged yeah. nothing. And I'd spend 10 hours or eight hours with the revisions or whatever it is. I make $150. Like yeah. it was crazy. So it was crazy. <laughs> so I, I actually stopped doing that completely. Um, I also, so that's my recommendation to new designers charge hourly. So you can see how long it takes you to do yeah. things. Um, you know, I think that's the, the most fair way to do it for you and for your client. Um, and then, so what I do now is I charge a flat fee for like a design consult. I'll do that. Um, at what I call my design power session. And, um, and then I charge hourly for projects. So when I, I, I get to know the clients beforehand in their, in the discovery call, um, I, I decided not to put pricing on my website and mm -hmm. I think it's a feel out each client a little bit. I try to, so not every client pays the same way I yeah. do hourly if it's like a room or, um, I think it's going to kind of spiral. Yeah. I charge a flat fee if it's an entire house, like if I'm, if I'm doing everything for that, I'll do a flat fee because it's a significant flat fee and I want them to feel like they're getting value. Um, so that's, that's right. That right now that's what I'm doing. Absolutely. And, um, I actually just got off a call with, I don't know if you listened to my episode with Sasha, uh, from ID8 mm -hmm. and yeah. we just did a part two and we talked about some new pricing stuff she's been looking at, but it is very good stuff again. Mm, but, um, I tell you what though, I've changed my pricing in the matter of like four years now, so many different ways. It's like always trying to change and improve how, how you do it. But, um, do you, okay. So you do flat fees now and are you estimating flat fees from beginning to end for a project like soup to nuts or are you phasing it? And you know, obviously those numbers are big. Mm -hmm. So what's your hourly rate now? I know it's a flat um, fee, but I assume it's based on an hourly rate that you come up with a number. So it's it's actually not. I've been doing the hourly base. So the hourly is at one twenty five right now, which is still okay. not crazy. But in my area, that's yeah. what people are paying. So yeah, um, that's where it's at. And then the flat fees depend on how big that the project is, and what it includes is I do them really for new construction, um, okay. and it's for going over from space planning through um, moving, but without furnishing. Okay, so it's okay. really like the bathrooms, like the tile, the, the paint, um, the mold, you know, all the molding and millwork, so bookcases and things like that, um, lighting, et cetera, but it's not furnishings. So it. it's, it's just the, the skeleton of the house. And then okay. if they want to move on, we, I would estimate it probably hourly. It's probably there. And so the flat fees, how, you know, if it's a whole home, is it like, okay, there's four rooms and one room is X number flat fee. Like, how do you come up with what that flat fee is? Um, so it's interesting. Most of the homes right now in my area are kind of similar, like four to 5,000 square feet. Um, I can get a sense from looking at plans and from talking to people um, what it's going to require. And so I have a, a, like a small range um, that I work within and then I charge that flat fee um, and includes everything. Um, it's kind of how I do it. And do you just collect the full flat fee up front or do you uh, have like a payment schedule type thing? Um, so I had been just doing it monthly where they were paying me monthly, but that was oh, okay. also because being in the first year, I knew most of my clients personally. So I really wasn't worried. Um, yeah. but now I charge about, I think what did I, I just sent out a proposal. Um, I think it was 25% upfront and then for just for commitment. And then it's a monthly fee. Um, and I found that worked well for both of us. One, cause it let me know, frankly, going into 2020, what I can expect from, you know, um, that, you know, from a sales perspective, what yep. I could be making on a monthly basis. And it also felt like in, it was smaller amounts for the client and yep. it felt reasonable to them. 
Um, and so is by, it basic? Oh, sorry. No, yeah, go on. Are you okay? So you're saying, well, this project I estimated at like beginning to end, it's going to be four months. So we're breaking it up monthly into four months, but this mm-hmm. project's two months. So we're bringing it up into two payments kind of thing. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So on a new construction, I know it's going to take about 10 months, 10 to 12 months. Yeah. Um, and I break it up over that, but you know, if it is faster, they pay, they'll pay the last amount earlier. Gotcha. Okay. Um, what do you think? Cause you were, one thing you were saying was like some skills that you brought from corporate. Mm-hmm. I know you talked about like, you're really good at sales. Was there other skills that you felt were really valuable from corporate that you brought in to that maybe even is different than what most mm-hmm. might do as a result? Yeah. So, um, in my last job for the last couple of years, because I've been working on product innovation, a big piece of what we did was consumer insights. So I'd spend time, you know, in like the movies where you see everyone sitting in one of those rooms and the, out, you know, the clients sitting behind the glass and listening to people like talk about products. Yeah. Like focus groups and stuff. Yeah. So I had to do a lot of that and I had to go into homes and see how people lived. Um, so understanding what we called unmet needs, like what, what were people not getting out of their products and compensating behaviors? Um, what do people do like as band-aids basically to make up for not having certain products? And the example we always gave in business school was, um, the Tide pen. Basically they just, they created the Tide pen after hearing from people saying they would take a little bit of Tide and put it like on a tissue and wipe their clothing. Um, so that's what we called compensating behavior. So I brought that. I feel like that's something I've been using um, in my role now. And and what I'll do is clients, especially when we're doing new construction, I love to see their current homes and they get so embarrassed and they're like, it's so messy and it's crazy. And I'm like, no, I want to see how you live now and understand what you're doing because you don't have enough space and things like that. So that I could then make sure in their new space, we're giving them exactly what they need, customized to the way that they want to live and how they live now. And, um, just really drilling into that psychology piece of it has been really beneficial. I love that. I feel like I do that too, actually. And it's like, Mm -hmm. even with some clients, I feel like sometimes clients, I don't know if this happens to you ever, but I feel like they come with you. They're trying to give you the answer. Like, Mm -hmm. and it's like, okay, I I don't want you to give me the answer. I don't want you to tell me like what you think is feasible in the space. Like just what is the problem? And sometimes even like, you know, I find that with design, it's a constant series of decisions of the lesser of two evils. It's like, Mm -hmm. we can't have it all. And so you have to make a decision. So in order to make the decision, I have to understand you better. Like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I need, so drilling down into that and it's saying like, okay, we're making this decision. Well, if we're putting a TV on that fireplace and you want to be able to see the TV from bed, like, are you, are you really going to be in bed watching TV? Like, is that actually a thing that's really going to happen? And sometimes I find clients get kind of irritated. Like you're, I'm I'm not trying to push back. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to push an agenda on you. I'm really just trying to make sure that we're thinking about everything for like clients who are trying to make a space be everything. Like, okay, so I want my guests to be able to stay here and have a great space, but also like, I want it to be my office. And it's like, okay, Mm -hmm. okay, cool. How many times are you going to have a guest stay here? <laughs> exactly. Here? Exactly. Okay, you know what? We're going to get them a really great blow-up mattress on legs because let's mm-hmm. make it be awesome the 80% of the time you're in it. So like, I find it's the same thing of like really trying to like, let's not try to make it be everything. Let's try to make it be the best it can be the most mm-hmm. use it and try to get them thinking differently. Exactly. They get a little like they get their backup. I don't know if that ever happens to you, but they're kind of like, no, like I want, this is what I wanted. And you have to like, talk them out of a decision that's not the right decision. Yeah, totally. It's, it's a lot of dream crushing. Oh, I like that. (laughs) Like I crush clients dreams a lot, but I do it. I do it to my own house too. It's just, you got to be realistic with what you're doing. Right. Really, really do. And you know, (laughs) they see, you know, a lot of what people see and and these beautiful pictures and and I love the beautiful pictures and I love making the beautiful pictures. Mm -hmm. We style a lot of what we do. Right. And, and a picture is not always exactly how you're going to live in it. So sometimes you have to remind clients of that, you know, um, and 
you know, that you're right. It's, it's just finding that balance and making sure they're going to be happy. And you don't, you don't want to feel, I say sometimes I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm being the Debbie Downer here. You know, yeah. what I mean? it's weird because I should be giving you exactly what you want, but it's, I'm not, I'm doing you a disservice if I just do exactly what you, what you want, because it's not going to make you happy in the end. Oh my God. Um, yeah. It's, it's like the ultimate goal and the ultimate compliment to me is anytime I leave a client and they have a space that they love and it's like nothing they when they say to me, like, I never would have, like, I never mm-hmm. would have thought to do that. Or I never would have done like that to me is the ultimate compliment. Cause I don't want to just like, cause if you can just do this, like just do it then. Right. Right. I'm no, not here to just save your time. Exactly. And it's, it's not only for about making something beautiful, right? Like it's yeah. about making it absolutely stunning, but also making sure it works for you and yes. your life. And um, I feel like sometimes like you'll see, a, you'll be shown a picture in a magazine and I'll be like, I love it. But you have two, you have a three-year-old and a four-year-old. So putting in that velvet couch into you know your family room might not make the most sense, you know, and exactly. um, helping them figure that out is Totally. Another one I get a lot too is like people who really want a fireplace in their space. And it's like, Mm. I do love me a fireplace, but like, there's just so many trade-offs to getting that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if we're going to put a fireplace, I want it to make sense and not look like we just put in a faux fireplace somewhere. Right. Right. Clearly not legit. And it's just messing up the whole vibe of the room. You know, I do that sort of dream crushing all the time. It's great. It sucks though, but it's like, at the end of the day, it's kind of like, you know, that whole saying, like you could try to be everything to everybody, but then you're nothing to nobody or whatever, whatever that's right. exactly. It's like, you can try to make your room be everything, but then it's just not going to be any, do anything very well. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. Know? Mm-hmm. So what else, like what, what has been the biggest thing that you've specifically learned in, in your very first year of business that has been like monumental going into this year? Ooh. Um, I would actually say it's surrounding yourself with the right people um, and networking. And I'm not an extrovert at all. Um, I'm, I, you know, I get nervous when we go to like events and things like that. I don't really want to talk to anyone, but I've learned that you have to get out of that comfort zone and network and put yourself out there and surround yourself with people who are going to help, you know, educate you, um, give you the confidence, people that you can also help. And that has really driven my business, like a hundred percent, whether it was informational interviews or going now to like different types of trade shows and just putting myself out there, I would have never done that. And that was something that I learned was essential to growing my business. One of the informational interviews, even who I spoke to, again, I cold calls. She was awesome. She decided to close her business and start something new. And she called me a month ago and she said, can I recommend you to clients? And that would have never happened if I had not just like started randomly calling people. And it was amazing. So it's so true. Oh my God. That's gold. Surrounding yourself with the right people and just doing things like that is, you know, having the right people. If you have questions and you're not sure how to do something and, and knowing who to speak to and finding just, you, you know, your tribe is, is yeah. really something I learned. And I didn't have that before. So. And okay. So I know early, early on you, you got clients like, you know, they were maybe friends that you helped out mm-hmm. when you first started getting paid clients, where were those coming from? And now where are those typically coming from? Okay. So first, so you said something about paid clients. So something actually early on before I decided, like literally before I launched the LLC, I, had like one or two people I was helping for free. The minute I launched as a business, I was honest with them. And I said, I can't do this for free anymore. And I stopped. Like I don't work for free at all. It doesn't matter who it is. Um, So friends, it was weird at first, but I was like, you have to pay me. Otherwise people are not going to take me seriously. Um, So like, if I'm like doing work for free, like how am I going to have time? Like there's there's so much. (laughs) That's true. Right. It's like, I would love to help you friends. Mm-hmm. If I'm helping you and I'm not get, getting paid, then mm-hmm. I'm not able to focus on clients that can pay me. <laughs> exactly. And then I didn't know like where the line was in terms of like who would pay, who wouldn't pay. So I was just very quickly, I was like, everyone has to pay, you know, yeah. for my time. Um, and how oh did friends God. respond to that? They were really cool about it. Um, 
one person was really sweet and really honest and said that she couldn't move forward um, yeah. because she just, she couldn't, you know, pay me. And that was fine. But everyone really, I think, respected it. And I think I was taken more seriously earlier on because of it. Um, and I think it actually probably led to more projects because I, I was a professional. Um, yeah. I wasn't just a friend. So yeah. that helped. Um, in terms of new projects, it's exactly what people say. Instagram um, and referrals hands down. Um, I haven't really done any other major advertising. I've done things like, um, like in nonprofits, I'll do like, if there's a Chinese auction, I'll give out like a free consult, but really it's been recommendations. And when I do the promoted posts and really drive my Instagram, all, all of a sudden I'll start getting more inquiries, which is interesting. So really, I've never, I think mm-hmm. I've promoted a post a few times didn't do real much for me. Um, but so Instagram does, um, for you, if somebody reaches out to you, they DM you on Instagram and then that does turn into a consultation for you. So it's interesting. Um, I've gotten only a f- I've got, yes, I've gotten a few DMs and, and I've started a conversation, but what I very quickly do is I dry, I try to, get, I'm just starting my funnel and getting you know, my leads through. Yeah. Um, I send them a link to a style questionnaire that I have that has like collects all their major, you know, general information, but then it has a visual um, questionnaire. Mm-hmm. And I have them do that immediately before I even get on the phone with them for a couple of reasons. One, um, it lets me collect their information, lets me know if their style is on point with w- the work I do. And three, um, it oh, lets I- me know that they're committed and they're taking this yeah. seriously. And it takes about, you know, probably eight to 10 minutes to fill out. Yeah. And that is so key. Actually, I was just, somebody DM'd me recently. I guess they heard me talking about a style survey that I do and mm-hmm. she was just asking like, do you have an example of that? But I can't, it's impossible for me to share because it's in Wakora, but I'm just tweaking it. But normally that's something that I, I trigger after they sign the full service work mm-hmm. or whatever. But now I'm going to actually be rolling it in earlier just because I want to know and I like where your head's at. I'm going to add it to my discovery call survey where even if it's just like, which of the rank these rooms or something like yeah. that, like not yeah. make it a, a like huge barrier of entry because it's not like I'm like overflowing with calls right now to, mm-hmm. that I need to do that. But, but then I can get an idea of like, okay, I should be excited because it's a style of this that this client's into is like aligned mm-hmm. with me yeah. or, um, and then before the consultation, having one as well. So again, I can understand, like, it's going to be like things like, which sofa do you like A, B, C, D, E, none of the above. And if there's a lot mm-hmm. of like, none, none, none. Okay. You're going to be difficult. Probably. If there's mm-hmm. like a lot of it is like what I would love for them to be picking, then great. I can feel good about that. So right. just to get a good gauge on, um, style, but also, um, how difficult they are to please and, and mm-hmm. which, which is a big thing that can be real, a real challenge in projects. <laughs> I actually, one of the questions that I ask and, and everyone's been pretty honest. I ask the question, you know, do you need multiple options to make decisions? Is it hard for you to make decisions? Things like that. And people yeah. write really honestly, and it's really important because you're, if you're going to take a long time and yeah. you need lots of options, I, I have to price the project. So I do take that into account. Um, you mentioned um, a program or a software where you keep your questionnaire. Where do you keep it? So I'm not going to be doing that anymore, but it's Wakora. Oh. And it was that was only when the client became, because you have to set up a login for the client. Uh-huh. And then it's like a board. It's kind of like a Pinterest on, on crack where it's like oh. um, you put on, you can basically get, they can thumbs up or thumbs down pictures. So it's really good when you're working with a client through the project to show them selections if you weren't using Ivy or whatever. This was like early on, but now I'm actually, I just did, um, I rolled into my process. Like when we are doing uh, a full project, I got a lot of surveys on the go, just like touch points early on that helps me get to know clients better in a fun way kind of thing. But I added, um, it's called like the love hate survey and it's, Uh it's not the best name. It doesn't really roll off the tongue, but anyways, but basically it was like, okay, I know the client now and I'm going to pull to, I stole this actually from Emily Henderson. I read a blog of hers where she basically said she gives the client, um, a board and she has them X off Ah. collections that they like just, so I basically just did like 
core pieces in a room that could be a little more difficult. Like one client, the one I just did it with, like I knew they were very particular about the lounge chair for their like media mm-hmm. center, uh, the sofas, dining chairs. So mm-hmm. I want to try to see like, okay, this is what I would love to see, but here's a couple options, all still within what I deem to be like acceptable style. Right. Um, right. And in my aesthetic, but maybe one that's more upholstered, one that's maybe more like got some rattan and some like textural pieces. And then I just had them, I, I basically just did it in, in uh, keynote. I took a screenshot, I gave them like ABCD and then I put it into Google Drive. And then uh-huh. I just made a, like a ranking box uh-huh. where it said option A, option B, rank the following based on style, hate right. it to love it. Right. And then I said, rank them now just based on the fabric that happens to be on them. Like, do you like the fabric mm-hmm. more? Same mm-hmm. thing. And it was really easy to execute. Um, yeah. And it really was eye-opening because I was just... It, it just makes sure that I don't waste too much time searching for that perfect chair. Only mm-hmm. if they just really aren't into it kind of thing. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And that... that I'm going to be turning all of those surveys into Google Drive now. Google Drive's... Uh, like the Google software, their form is pretty good. I used to do type mm-hmm. form, but now you have to pay. I'm just oh. about paying for more. Type form was like pretty... F- free if you didn't try to do multiple pages but mm-hmm. now you have to pay for more than a certain amount of surveys i think or right. to surveys um and i'm just trying to minimize the amount of stupid software i'm paying for it gets out yeah. of control but yeah I use I, what do you, what, you use google i use google for it my goal i think for the first quarter of 2020 like what i'm really trying to work on is my systems Same, yeah. um because i found like well i've been thankfully it was a really busy year i am definitely like a chicken like with my head cut off like running around like a maniac yeah um so trying to be more efficient so my systems and having the right people like on my team i mean i'm not looking to hire like like a full-time assistant or anything but having the right people like new accountant who knows interior design yeah just just um signing on a bookkeeper now um someone to do my renderings and like my systems like that is my goal for this first quarter so I can breathe and, and get things done I love it and out of curiosity so you when you first launched your business and you were presenting floor plans to a client for example mm-hmm. what did you just teach yourself software and like what what programs were you doing that with so um so a couple of things. So one, I actually enrolled in New York Institute, Institute of Art and Design for their online program. Got it. So that was okay, how I learned how to do floor plans. Um, and I actually use, so I haven't had time to like learn CAD or SketchUp and I've, or, you know, the other one, the architecture or whatever. Architect, really, yeah. Yes. I really wanted to, but I just don't have enough time between work and my kids. Yeah, um, yeah. So I use um, some of the like apps online that you can mm-hmm. actually use to create floor plans fairly simply. I use those. Yep. Um, and then I, for renderings, I found someone through Ivy who does fabulous renderings. She does floor plans also. And um, I have heard you them. Okay. I need to ask you this then. Yeah. This person that's doing these renderings for you, mm-hmm. how do you communicate with her to get that? I, this is uh-huh. like a brain, like it's like a, I get overwhelmed at the idea of like, how do I like give how you her the information in a way yeah. and like how much back and forth? Cause like, mm-hmm. you know, so what does that look like that process with her? Yeah. Him? So her? what I did, so her name is Karen and she's great. Um, Karen, I'm happy to tell you her name if anyone wants to use her. Oh, Karen. I'll tag her in this. Yeah. As a glory, I think is how you say her name. Okay. Well, then um, you send me. Yeah, yeah. I can send that to you. So <laughs> What I do is sort of what I've had to do for clients at the beginning. Um, so, for example, a rendering I had to do recently was for an exterior. So you're talking about, like, the the colors of the siding and the shakes and, and, the, um, and the pillars and the windows and all of, you know, the stone, all the details. I literally took the picture of the elevation from the architect, took all the different pieces that I wanted. Like, if I wanted something eight inches wide or whatever it was. I made a list and I literally used arrows <laughs> with little pictures. And I said, this goes here, this goes yep. here, this goes here. She did the rendering. Um, she does like a flat version of it first before she makes it 3D. Um, and we adjusted. Like if something was off or the color was slightly off, we adjusted. And then she she made it 3D for me. It was awesome. Um, that is awesome. Couple- and basically like you give her something that has the measurements. Yeah. So if you were starting from scratch... 
and you were like, I need to do a rendering of a living room. You would maybe draw or give her like, this is the room. This is the measurement. This is the height. This Mm -hmm. is the furniture. Yes. Yes. And this is where I want it to go. (laughs) That's something like that. Um, And we primarily communicate via email and it's just some back and forth and that's it. And how does she bill? Like, not that, like, is it hourly or? Um, It was, it's a flat fee. Um, and then it's like, if you need more revisions, you pay a flat fee for that. It's not hourly, which is great. So you know exactly what you're paying for. And when it comes to clients, you basically say like, if you want any renderings or I recommend a rendering, like how do you, do you bill it out to the client or do you just include it in your flat fee and you want to include renderings because you know, it'll help sell through. So it's, it depends on the project. Um, what I've started and I'm learning as I go here. Um, initially I was just passing through the fees, but because it's also taking me time, because I have to you know, review and go through all the revisions and things like that. Um, I do charge a little bit more for them, um, but not a lot because I really, that's just not honestly where I make money. I, I want them to get that value and it's not inexpensive to begin with from her because yeah. it's really quality work. Yeah. Um, so for big projects now, what I'll do is I'll have it as a line item separate and say, I can do um, a very quick one for you through Morfolio, which I can explain if you've never used that. Um, but if you want like a true rendering, and I'll explain what that is. If you want a true rendering, if there's a flat fee. And my recommendation is to do it for your kitchen and for your exterior. I think like those two pieces especially are most important. Um, as I move forward, my goal is as my projects get bigger, I want to be able to include all the renderings as part of the budget. I, Cause I, I agree with you. I think people need to visualize it. I, know, so I just think uh, even just, it's just an easier sell. Like if you're mm-hmm. like this, this sofa, this chair, and they're just like, oh, I don't see, it. I think when you see, when you see it, it's like anything. Yeah. I find that people get really fixated on, which is really hard. And you have to really like be like, okay, you, I, you're not, I don't, not first of all, not every single thing in your room. You have to be like, "This is amazing." Right? <laughs> How it works together. It's it's like exactly. a brush stroke. I don't need to love the one brush stroke on the canvas. It's how all the brush strokes come together that creates yes. the room. And some needs to be like you know, supporting actress over here, not mm-hmm. like doing her mm-hmm. thing. But people get real fixated. This is my rug. And you're like, what are you doing? But like, you're like, this is the rug, and they're just like really like ooh the rug, but you know why you picked it and you can articulate it. But if they see it all together, I just think it would be, you would go to a presentation and probably get a green light, probably far higher percentage of the time than you would without it. Yeah. It's valuable. Reality is we're hired because we can see the vision. Yeah. If our clients could do it, they would do it themselves. So it's our jobs to make sure they can see that vision. So if the renderings can do that, I really want to be able to offer that to all my clients. But what I, what I do do like a little bit of like a cheat is, um, I use Morfolio, which is an app, Mm -hmm. um, an app like for iPad or, um, yeah, I think they have an iPad version. I can do it on my phone. It's a little bit like a mood board, but you can set it up and design files. Have you ever used design files before? No. Oh, so this is amazing. It's a website where you can, you, you can pay or it's, or you can actually do it for free okay. uh, depending on the level uh-huh. and you can actually import all of the um, products that you want and they have like rooms. And so you can set up a room and you can actually, you know, like delete all the background of your, of your images. So you have clean images and you can distort also. So if you want to do a tile floor, you can actually distort it. So it fits perfectly. It's amazing. <laughs> I highly recommend it. <laughs> It's a great, great website. It's and not you're an saying app. I can do some stuff on here for free. Yeah, you can do a couple for free. Oh, dang. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I'm going to check that out. That sounds like dang. a lot of fun. Morfolio. That's um, an app. Yeah, because I, I don't have an iPad. And you do this you on, do your on your phone? phone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's intense working on your phone. Yeah. I don't know if I yeah. can do that mentally. But I can do it quick. And sometimes I do it for myself also just to make sure the visual, the vision's making sense. Cool. Those are great little nugs. I've never, I feel like I had heard, I thought I heard of design files, but now I'm not entirely sure. I thought design files was more like an Ivy. Um, it might have that also. It's funny because when I was signing up for Ivy, that was something I asked them um, and they didn't have it. And I was like, but design files, like just have design files, buy it from them. Yeah. <laughs> um, the business. I'm like, I'm like, everything has to be combined. I feel like I love Ivy, but I also have my Doma. <laughs> 
Oh yeah. And, I started um, with my dome. I've tried a lot of them, but yeah. Yeah. And I also just signed up for Zipsato. Um, yeah. I used Zipsato right now also. That piece is missing from like the IVs into my studio. I feel like, like my Doma, like that whole, you know, funnel and trying to. Well, that's what I think it is. You know what I think? I think is, yeah, the integration is needed, but like, don't try, don't try to be that. Cause you're just going to do it. Like kind of, it's kind of like the time tracker and Ivy. Mm-hmm. I don't use it because to me, it's not robust enough. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. like, I would have preferred if Ivy had just picked a time tracker, like toggle that they could uh, integrate with as yeah. opposed to like, it's a case of what we were talking about, except now it's with software, like trying to do too many things. But then those other things that you're doing are just mediocre. Like you're mm-hmm. doing really good, but so, which is why I'm glad that they do integrate with QuickBooks, even though yes. I don't know if like in Canada, we just, they just launched a Canadian version. Cause the problem was you couldn't integrate because it was us funds which would screw up your quickbooks so i unfortunately manually have to just oh it's, it's fairly easy i just the only thing i invoice in i basically think of ivy for myself as how i track funds and um get approvals but mm-hmm. if i have an invoice for for furniture in ivy and it's like the invoice numbers whatever i just then in quickbooks create an invoice for the same amount and i say see IV invoice whatever for the details that's my oh, workaround interesting okay so i, I integrate that yeah. So yeah, basically Ivy did just launch a Canadian version, but it's a separate version from the U S mm-hmm. and I'm like, I feel like I should convert, but I also don't want to lose all like, so I was talking to them about like, you kind of need to be able to have us integrate because I don't want, I need to be able to access old stuff, not have a whole new account where all my old stuff is gone. Mm-hmm. It's a thing we're working through, but, um, I forgot what I was going to say. We were talking about, yeah, Deb Sano, that's another one. Cause I, I have an email list that I'm trying to build as well. Like just mm-hmm. like, and I'm using active campaign. So I'm actually going, and they also have a CRM in active campaign. So I am eventually, while I love Deb Sano, mm-hmm. I don't want to have one place that's managing my ongoing email where I'm like having to say, well, if somebody fills this out, add it to my email. I just like pay one place. Right. So I'm basically going to recreate what's happening in Dubsado on active campaign where oh, I've never heard of that. I have to check that out. Yeah. I, and I actually went to a, so it's active campaigns, the email like software, but they have a CRM built in and mm-hmm. it's built for like one-to-one like sales oh. and stuff. Cool. And I went to one of their, they had a workshop and they do them all over, like in the States and in Canada, where mm-hmm. it was like the active campaign, like schooling, whatever. And it was a couple, I think it was like a whole morning and they walked me through, like they walked us through like how you can use this tool. It's incredible. And the only downside is it doesn't have like the ability to create a contract that someone accepts. Oh, uh, Okay. Well, I whatever. Yeah. I, I'm like, I I'll just use that yet. Anyway, I literally signed up and just have not had time. To- <laughs> well, that's the thing too, right? Is you got to sit down and freaking set it all up. But so yeah, that's the only downside, but I'm like, at the end of the day, whether somebody, I send a proposal and they accept it or not, if they verbally tell me or email me, I accept it, that's fine enough. And then I'll just use like hello sign or DocuSign right to get a formal signature on a contract, like whatever, or even, I don't even know, like whatever, no big deal. Right. Right. But even just to like streamline to one platform, I'm just, it's like you said, nothing is perfect. So you're like, I got to use this for this, this for this. And then it just mm-hmm. gets like out of control. And yeah. Just, like things you're, I'm paying for this every month and it just starts to add up. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I was literally trying out my Doma and I ended up with it because I forgot to cancel it. So <laughs> I'm sitting on that one also. Yeah. Um, yeah. And do you, so you're not, are you using both kind of ish, but not, um, I'm going to definitely use my Doma, honestly, because Ivy, it's very interesting. I like it a lot, but they limit, you know, the number of clients you can have, and then you have to upgrade. My Doma doesn't have oh. that. So I sort of capped out. Um, so I'll probably start using my Doma, but we, reality, I didn't know that about Ivy. Yeah. Or at least it's when I signed up, but the reason well, I why I a long time ago, so I've kind of like grandfathered into a decent price. Yeah. Thing. I think that's I, what happened. <laughs> I like Ivy, but the thing that I like the most actually is their Facebook group. Like I'm obsessed with their Facebook group and I'm like, oh, it's worth the money I pay every month just because I have this amazing network of people. (laughs) Absolutely. And well, and I really like the interface, the look of the interface. I think 
That's and and the proposals. So mm-hmm. I like the way I see it is I think Ivy's really good if you do a lot of furnishing orders. Right. And I don't trade. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. I, so that's the thing. It's like when people are asking, like, what software is like there's just again so many nuances to like what is in your business, what's your pain points, like yeah. what do you need to fix? It's like it's so different for everybody. And it's also like people's technological like sadness yeah. and like what they're willing to learn and not learn or whatever, right? Exactly. But, exactly. So what other kind of software? I like these nuggets of software. Anything else like that you use that has mm-hmm. helped your business, like software wise? If um, I mean, if you don't have any, that's cool too. I don't think if I have anything else, like that's really, oh, there's, mm, I really feel like that's what I use mainly. I also use, um, this is so silly, but I use Magic Plan. It's another app that I use. Yeah. I use it for measuring rooms actually. Oh. Because <laughs> um, I, I bought myself one of those nifty like digital um, measuring tapes, but I don't trust it. So, and but you touch actually- the app. I do. I still measure by hands, but I like the app because you can just walk around the room and it measures it out for you. It's Are you awesome. saying it? You walk around the room and it almost makes like a floor plan version that you so, don't draw. Um, kind of yes. Um, but I'm also you actually reminded me the one I want to get for this year is Canva. Have you heard of Canva? Yeah, that's you the mean one I like get. Canva is in like to make like graphics and stuff. No, so ca- that's Canvas, I think, or. I don't no, that's definitely Canva. Um, so then Canvas is like a new thing okay. for the iPad. It's like, it looks like a lens that goes on the front and that you literally hold around the room and it creates a floor plan and a 3D model of the space. It's crazy. I wonder what the learning curve is on that. That's funny. I'm actually looking right now because somebody, uh, I have like a little group that we, t- we chat. Somebody, I wonder if it's the same one, similar thing. It's called Nick's sensor, oh. but mm-hmm. it sounds like the same thing. It's a thing that you attach to your iPad. Yes. Like a camera. And then it like does what you were just saying, which is really killer, but I don't have an iPad. And uh, yeah, that, like that is the piece. Yeah. yeah. But okay. I'm definitely going to look into magic plan though. I'm intrigued. Mm-hmm. Is it a free thing or, or are you paying for that? If I pay, it's like $10. Like it was nothing. Like I really didn't. Like a one-time that. payment? Yeah. Oh, that's fair. That's fair enough. If it's going to make your life easier, right? Yeah. So I feel like that's where I've capped my um, tools. Cause I, I don't even feel like I have enough time to learn all of them, you know? And, and then you're just like, it, that's the thing, right? There's, even Ivy, I'm like, I feel like there's probably more going on here that I haven't learned. And mm-hmm. Dubsado was the same thing. And now I'm like, active campaign, okay, must sit down and automate, like, just things like when somebody fills out my discovery call form, and if they don't book a consultation, automations of like things that go to them that might like re-trigger mm-hmm. them to, yeah. or somebody who like reaches out without discovery call type thing that can like, put out some information that encourages them, reminds them to like book that call with me or the consultation yeah. or whatever. Cause sometimes I find that's what happens. People are like, Oh, maybe not now. Or, but then or they, they just get busy and they just right. need to be, you need to be in your face or whatever, but yes. Yeah. Also I, like automating. Yeah. Automating like parts of the process that is good for expectation management. Like, well, you know, I don't need to remind myself to tell a client that or send them that just great. You're in phase one and we're doing a kitchen. Here's what you need to know. And right. Whatever. Exactly. Exactly. But now I have to spend the time making those materials. So that's where, that's the thing. I know. That's where I've started interviewing. I've started interviewing virtual assistants to see if I could find one who could do that as well. So again, uh, for me this year, it's about finding and surrounding myself with the right tools and the right people to kind of let me be more creative and have fun doing my job. So it's my goal. I love it. <laughs> well, congratulations. That's amazing. It sounds like you've had an incredible year for freaking just launching this. And I hope we'll have to touch base again in a year or so and see it's where awesome, we're yeah. at, right? Amazing. Oh. Sounds great. So, okay, tell everybody where they can follow you. So, I can be found on Instagram and my website are both Daniela Hoffer Interiors. Amazing. Well, have an awesome weekend. And thank you so much for reaching out. I super appreciate it. Awesome. I love your podcast. It's great. Keep doing it. Thank you. All right. Okay. I need to know who else kind of thinks she sounds a little bit like Mila Kunis? Go back and listen again. Go go on YouTube. Find some audio of Mila. 
and then go back and listen to a little bit of, of Daniela. And I kind of, I was, I was editing the pod. I didn't realize it at the time, but then I was editing the pod. I'm like, who does she sound like? Who does she sound like? And then it came to me and it's not exact, but there's, there's a Mila Kunis vibe going on in there. Anyways, thank you so much, Daniela. Congratulations on your amazing success. I mean, damn, killing it in her first year and just so much confidence. It's amazing. If you guys enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, leave a review. I would love to start reading reviews on the pod. So if you leave a review, say something cool and I might pick yours and read it aloud on this here podcast. Also, um, tell a friend if you think that they would also benefit from the pod. And if you want to kind of follow along a little deeper, you can go to the Facebook group, uh, Real Talk Design with Michelle Bennett. Answer the questions. Bingo, bango, you're in. Anyways, guys, I'm still dealing with a cold, so I'm still sounding a little raspy, raspier than normal. So I'm going to cut this one short, but thank you so much. I will see you guys next week. Bye.